It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, December 4th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The official death toll from the Wrangell landslide has risen to five after the body of a missing man was recovered Thursday in its debris. Tim Spain, who is a spokesperson with the Alaska State Troopers, said that one more person is yet to be found. Ongoing search continues uh, for 12-year-old Derek Heller, um, who is still uh, missing. Search and rescue volunteers and scent detection canines continue with uh, reactive searching in any areas where there may be a clue or evidence that points to a certain area. Florschutz is the husband of Christina Florschutz, the November 20th landslide's sole survivor. She says she was upstairs in their home when the 500-foot-wide slide hit, trapping her overnight in the wreckage. Last year, Otto Florschutz ran as a Republican among dozens of candidates in the special election to replace the late Congressman Don Young. Florschutz joins four members of the Heller family found dead since the slide, adults Timothy and Beth Heller, along with children Mara and Kara. Spain said that it comes down to the canines to indicate where searchers should focus to find Derek Heller. Now that the road's cleared um, and, uh, you know, more equipment's able to get in there and help clear the debris, the search efforts have shifted mainly to the ocean side of the road. He said that once canines detect an area, probes and various other means will be used to find the 12-year-old boy. Sitka has seen huge growth in cruise tourism to nearly 600,000 passengers in 2023, about a three-fold increase over what would have been considered a big summer before the pandemic. This figure has been in the news a lot lately, but there's another more important number that residents haven't settled on. What is the right amount of cruise tourism? Sitka's Tourism Task Force is determined to find out. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. If the growth in cruise traffic had been more gradual, Sitka might have found the sweet spot without looking for it. Now, a tourism task force has been charged with finding the magic number. They've been charged with a list of other things, too, but task force chair Phyllis Hackett says she got a nudge from City Hall to move the overall passenger count to the top of the list. And then in October, received a call from the city administrator, John Leach, to uh, bring him a number. Bring him the number because CLIA, Cruise Line International Association, and and the city are ready to develop an MOA, Memorandum of of Agreement, around this, and they need to have a number. So we started in earnest on that. The task force was created back in April, and Hackett says a majority of the nine-member group were involved in the industry over the summer, preventing any full meetings until after the season. Hackett said this helped create the space to formulate a plan. took time, at least for me, I'm the chair, um, to wrap our minds around how to go about even gathering a number. The task force's first town hall meeting was on November 27th. Rather than a shouting match, it was a carefully orchestrated data-gathering exercise with post-it notes and beans, all of which have been recorded and weighed. The next town hall will be December 7th when these data will be presented and residents will contribute more information toward helping the task force narrow down its target. The task force has representatives from various economic segments of the community, but member Camille Ferguson, who represents the Sitka tribe, said residents should not be overly concerned with that. 
She wants this process to be human-centered. You know, your relationship between these people are, are important than any kind of segment that there right. is. As long as your voice is heard and you are sharing your concerns in a manner that it will help us, you know, come up with that magical number. And I think that's the most important thing. After the Tourism Task Force identifies an appropriate level of cruise tourism for the community, its work will only be 20% finished. Other jobs include an annual review of the city's tourism funding, looking at land use and waterfront development regulations, regional strategies to advance Sitka's interest in the industry, and helping develop a tourism management best practices program. Hackett, a former member of the Sitka Assembly, does not mince words about best practices. These are the ways we'd like you to behave and run your businesses when you're in Sitka to help all of us, everybody, work better with with what we have. Reporting in Sitka with help from Aaron Fulton, I'm Robert Woolsey. The next town hall meeting of the Sitka Tourism Task Force will be from 4 to 8 p.m. on Thursday, December 7th in Harrigan Centennial Hall. It will be an open house format with presentations on the hour. Wildfires may not be an imminent concern in rain-soaked Sitka, but that doesn't mean we can't learn from them. Sitkins packed the main room at the public library Thursday night for a talk on fungi, forests, and fires from visiting Outer Coast faculty member Carolyn Dawes. Um, we found that wildfire changes the composition of fungal communities, so they're different after wildfire. Dawes, whose research at Stanford focuses on how fungi interact with trees, such as California redwoods, said certain types of fungi help trees thrive by making nutrients more accessible. That means healthier forests. Wildfires, though, can knock out some of those good fungi. While wildfires aren't a big risk in southeast, Sitka isn't off the hook. Dawes says that global climate change more broadly may affect those helpful fungi. And because certain fungi tend to associate with certain types of trees, changes to the underground ecosystem could affect what kinds of trees thrive in the forests. And there are also these important dynamics between trees that are associating with one type of mycorrhizal fungus or another here in Sitka. So cedars are associating with the same type as redwood, whereas Sitka spruce is associating with the same type as dug fir. So we might see that there are also similar kinds of interactions going on here. Dawes said understanding what's going on below the surface, whether in a redwood forest or a stand of yellow cedar in the Tongass, could help scientists understand and predict changes to the forests. I think there are uh, a lot of ways in which understanding what's going on below ground, even the things that we can't see or maybe don't care to eat, uh, might be affecting how these forests are going to respond to things like changes in snowpack in the winter, changes in temperature uh, year-round, changes in precipitation availability. You can find a link to Dawes Research on our website, kcaw.org. Communities across the southern panhandle sustained severe damage to infrastructure from the same weather system that triggered a fatal landslide in Wrangell last week. Landslides and washouts rocked Kaufman Cove, a small community on the north end of Prince of Wales Island. The community has not reported any injuries or fatalities, but the slides caused severe infrastructural damage. In response, Governor Dunleavy added Kaufman Cove to the state's disaster declaration on Monday. KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports. Kaufman Cove sustained widespread flooding and multiple landslides, which damaged several culverts and at least one major road. Fifteen families were cut off from town for about a week when a landslide spilled over the highway. Perry Olson sits on Kaufman Cove City Council. He detailed the damage on an online community forum on November 26th. 
In the post, Olson said he'd received reports that there are at least two washouts inside the city limits, as well as several landslides further out of town on federal land. John Mulcair is Kaufman Cove's mayor. He says the community is holding up well in spite of the damage. We live out in the middle of, of Alaska, so we, we are pretty self-sufficient as everybody is. And I guess I... I'd like to say our, our thoughts and prayers go out to the folks in Wrangell because they had a, a lot tougher time than we did. Though the debris blocking the main road is mostly clear and those families can safely make their way into town again, Mulcair says Kaufman Cove has a long way to go and they don't have a good timeline as to when the state will be able to repair the damage. We're going to have to wait and see what disaster declaration does for us in, in terms of repairing that. Um, my understanding is that now that we've got the initial stuff out of the way, they'll come in and do an assessment and see what we are eligible for. Jeremy Zedek is a spokesperson for the Alaska Division of Homeland Security. He says around the time Governor Mike Dunleavy declared the initial disaster event, his division started to receive word that there were other non-fatal landslides across the region. He says he received reports that the communities of Heidelberg, Ward Cove, Craig, and Klawak in southern southeast took damage from landslides. But on Prince of Wales Island, Kaufman Cove bore the brunt of the destruction. Southeast saw conditions that really led to multiple landslides in a lot of different areas. In Kaufman Cove, we've received reports that roads and culverts have been damaged by the disaster event. Now, residents of both Wrangell and Kaufman Cove are eligible for several public assistance programs for landslide damage. Zedek says so far, they're mostly being called to assist Kaufman Cove residents with damage to public property. The public assistance can address damages to roads and culverts, bridges, utilities. Those who experience damage to personal property or who were displaced are also eligible for state assistance. The Alaska Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Management is currently accepting applications for the state individual assistance and temporary housing programs. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Taking a look at the community calendar. The deadline to submit gingerbread designs to Sitka Historical Society and Museums contest is 10 a.m. on Saturday, December 23rd. You can contact the contest coordinator, Trish, at 907-972-5336 with questions. Blatchley Middle School Chess Club is holding an online fundraiser through Friday, December 14th to buy chess supplies. You can contribute to the fundraiser by following a link on the community calendar posting. Water is once again available at the Stargavin Well, with all improvements completed and recertification by the State of Alaska Department of Environmental Quality for drinking water collection. The new system pumps water from the well from two spigots on the outside of the winterized pump through the winter. And the ride has resumed operation of three bus lines weekdays from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. For a detailed schedule, go to ridesitka.com. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is more.